Welcome to episode three of season three of the Your Money podcast. I'm Peter Sashecki, president of Everything Financial Group, and your host today, no David Pratt. They're letting me fly solo. That's dangerous at best, but I'm going to give it a shot. Today, we have Vitri Trong from Everything Financial Group. He's one of our associate financial advisors, but also our in-house mortgage broker, and Vitri also runs the Everything Financial Mortgage Group, the solution to all your mortgage needs. So today, he's going to myth bust, wow, I said that, and educate us on mortgages and how mortgages are not just a product, they're part of the solution of the Omni Formula Financial Plan. So welcome, Vitri. Thanks, Peter. Great topic. This is a passion of mine. I love talking about stuff like this. Uh, hoping that today we can share advice and you know help people make good decisions and keep them from being house rich and cash poor and you know maybe help some self-employed people gain some insight as well and overall help you pay down your mortgage faster while also being able to retire and live a good retirement so let's make sure we educate the public on the modern day mortgage solutions not those things our parents and grandparents used to say to us about you must do this because well that's what i was told Absolutely. Yeah. No, the world's a very different place than it was in 1980, 1990. So last century. <laughs> God, we're really dating ourselves now. Well, perfect. Let's get right to it. So Vitri, what we're going to do today is provide people really generic education and the questions they should ask. So the whole point of the podcast, obviously, is to teach people to ask the questions they didn't even know they're supposed to ask. So like you just said, we're going to turn the mortgage acquisition, if you will, or purchase more into an informative solution into just the old standard, like the banks do. Everybody gets a five-year mortgage because apparently I didn't realize I did, being sarcastic, that that was the only type there was. But according to the bank, that's the only one, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They don't talk about one in two years very much, do they? No, they don't. So real estate, there's the big one. I mean, your home being probably your most important financial asset why does a mortgage need to be the right solution um, and, and not a commission product? What is the importance of picking the right mortgage for your financial plan and not just picking the mortgage that makes the broker a lot more money? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you have to pick the right one because life happens to us way too quickly these days, right? The average mortgage changes. Well, you change your mortgage on average every three years because life has thrown you that much of a curveball where you need to go and do something different than what you were doing, right? So for five years, that's a long time these days. Yeah, isn't, I've heard this now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the average mortgage changed about every three years or something like that? 30, that 38 months, I think, is the stat. So if people are changing that frequently, again, sarcastic, almost rhetorical, who's really making the money? Well, it's the people who are refinancing you and, you know, turning you, you know, break your five-year mortgage, pay this penalty and get a new five-year mortgage. So, so let's stick with this item number one on the list here of all the items we have for now. So when, and I know we do this again, I'm, this is for the, the viewers too and the listeners of the podcast, but when a person at the bank approaches you about changing your mortgage, because it is such a key purchase what would be one of the first questions you should ask them? What's the cost? Like, what's the cost and what's the benefit? You really have to get them to show you the numbers. Yeah, no, isn't there, 
uh, what's that term you've told me about? Oh, when they tell you, here's the here's the one I love. We're just gonna blend the rate, blend and extend. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, you're you're not getting the best deal on blends and extends normally. You're getting it, it looks lower because they're they're blending a lower rate with your higher rate, and you think, oh, I'm somewhere in between. That must be good, but you're at kind of the mercy of what they'll offer on that next part of it. Uh, you could probably get a better deal somewhere else, but they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to say, well, if you told me to be more competitive, we would be. Here's the rate we're going to give you. Okay, so more myth busting here, blend and extend and all these other uh, terminologies. So let's let's help educate the public on another one here. And I know we do this as part of the financial plan because we're not selling mortgages. We're providing solutions with a mortgage being one of those things. But I found this so bizarre when I learned this years and years ago about what's the myth of biweekly um, payments and, and what's what would be the alternative to a biweekly payment, if you will? Well, biweekly payments is the same as a monthly payment, but you have 26 payments in a year just to match your pay stub instead of 12 monthlies. But you're not paying down the mortgage any faster. The only way to pay down your mortgage faster is actually to make an accelerated biweekly payment, which all that means is you're you're adding the equivalent of one month of extra payments in so, a year. Yeah. So isn't that extra payment, though, because I know I did this, I, I calculated this once before with one of those great software programs you designed for us with the Excel program, but isn't biweekly still, though, interest and principal? Yeah, it makes no difference. It, it's just one of these things that people have been convinced that it's well, going to pay yeah. down your mortgage faster. It's The only way to pay down your mortgage faster is to put more money towards it. I know. I can't remember the last time I went to buy something and it actually showed the price of something. No one knows the price of anything anymore. It's this much per month or it's this much biweekly. No one really tells you what the true price is. So isn't it quicker, though, if you were so disciplined or had a financial planning firm like Everything Financial to show you how to save that extra payment and then put that extra payment straight against the principal instead of interest in principal? Wouldn't you save a few months at least or maybe more? Quite a bit more, Peter. As, as we've seen with some of the numbers that we've run, if you instead take that extra payment and put it towards, say, a TFSA managed by a good portfolio manager, that you could quite quickly accumulate a lot of uh, savings there and pay down your mortgage about 10% faster is what we've seen. So on the standard 25 to 30 years, it's two and a half to three years yeah. faster. And I can't even think in a high interest rate climate or a low interest rate climate, the bottom line is you're going to save a heck of a lot of interest in two and a half and three years. Oh, huge, huge. And also, not only that, because you're investing in a TFSA, if life were to happen to you, as it does most people, you have a pile of cash there to take care of some of those curveballs. Yeah, yeah, there's that emergency fund we've talked about before in our financial plan. Right. Otherwise, you're just falling into the bank's trap of, oh, you need money. Now we have to refinance you. Let's break this mortgage and get a new one. Yeah. What I can't believe with this stuff is during um, the high interest rate times of 2022, and we would see people who um, had just refinanced, you know, because of the higher rates or the mortgage just happened to come due. Fair enough, they refinanced. Yep. And three, four, five, six months into this, that, that high interest time, they were getting approached. I, I just found this mind-boggling. Actually, I found it quite disgusting, to tell you the truth. 
that they were being approached by banks to refinance again because no word of a lie, people, this happened. Bankers were telling people that interest rates are going to be 18% just like they were in the 80s. So even though we just refinanced you at 4 and 5%, yep. you should do it again to lock in for even longer. How do they get away with that? I don't know how they get away with it, Peter. It's it's remarkable what they can get away with and, frankly, what people will believe. I think you really need to ask those questions and find people you trust to to verify if this is... You know, if this is in fact going to happen or what the likelihood is, your, your mind, your, you might think it's something different. Now, I know what everything financial, before I get into the, the, the next question I want to address here, but I know what everything financial, we disclose everything. Don't banker or bankers, I'm saying bankers, I don't mean bankers actually, don't mortgage brokers um, have to disclose the commission they're earning? They do, but it happens so late in the process. The mortgage is already approved, ready to go. You just sign here. Yeah, we were talking in an earlier episode, um, episode two, I think, this season about letter of engagement and full disclosure. And and that's something I think should be done right in the beginning. But also, and I and I, I don't know the answer to this, that's so what I'm going to ask you, because I don't know everything, people. Contrary to a pot, no, I don't know everything, trust me. Um, but they have to disclose that, great, late in the process. But what they don't have to disclose is the difference. Like, what would be the difference yeah. between a simple interest home equity line of credit or a one or a two-year or a variable or a five-year? They just have to disclose what the one they're providing is. Is that correct? Then? Exactly, exactly. So, like, a five-year fixed mortgage will probably pay anywhere from 1%, 1.2%. Um, a line Jeez. of credit could be as low as 0.3 of a percent. So it's a big gap there. It's like 400% right? difference. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the difference between, you know, a 74 Pinto and a Tesla, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You won't There's a whole story, people, about the 74 Pinto. I'll talk about it in another episode. You won't see a lot of brokers uh, uh, flogging one and two year rates right now. Like It, it just doesn't but happen. I know recently when the interest rates were going up, I know you were talking to a lot of people, and we talked about this in the office in White Rock, about a one and two year rate being a good stopgap, like because you don't know. I mean, it's like when we talk about investments, and I make the jokes about having a rear view mirror. You don't know what interest rates for sure are going to do, but the government's going to want low interest rates in the not too distant future, two three years, because it's it is tied to inflation, so. I'm seeing mortgages really quickly, not much different from the rate chasing of mutual funds in a sense <laughs> that, you know, sell with fear, sell with misinformation, take your commission and run and never see the person again. Yeah, for unfortunately for a lot of the industry, that's the case because, you, you know, you often do not go back to the same person year after year after year. It's oftentimes someone completely new. You don't have a relationship with them. The person selling you that mortgage doesn't have to look you in the eye and say, well, oops. Now, this isn't meant to be self-serving. This is for information for people, so it, I don't want it to sound. It's going to sound wrong no matter how I put this. But isn't that really one of the reasons? When, I mean, when you became available, you like a free agent years ago, and we hired you to, to do this and everything financial. But I know you, as because as, I knew you for five years roughly before that, working at one of the bigger companies yep. as a quality individual and, and someone who is 
beyond reproach. This guy is so honest. It's great. But one of the reasons you joined us was because of the full disclosure and not because you had the opportunity to go work for mortgage companies and just, as you said, flog mortgages. Yeah. You could have done that. But you, like me, have the same belief where it's part of a bigger picture. Wholeheartedly, Peter. Thank you for saying that. I guess checks literally in the mail. <laughs> no, I think that's the 15th and 30th. I'm not sure when we're recording this, but yeah, soon. Yeah. yeah. But because your vision and mine line up precisely because I believe the debt management is so often overlooked in everyone's financial plan that you go through life thinking one thing, whereas if you had pivoted a little bit, done something else, you would have had such a better result by properly managing that debt. Right? Like one of those biggest myths we, we often face is clients in pre-retirement thinking, oh man, I'm never going to pay off this mortgage. How am I going to do this? And then we bust a myth going, you actually don't. Like We can do this other thing where we can create a pile of cash that makes a payment, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And I know one thing we do um, is make sure to kind of, if you will, put our money where our mouth is, people. We do that in everything financial. Is and we've disclosed this on the website. In a lot of cases, if we're going to recommend something, and it's going to cost money, there's fees involved. Yep. We actually buck up and pay the fees because if it's not the client's idea, why should they pay it? And well, we'll cover like a legal or an appraisal fee, yep. and, and, and that's always fully disclosed. And it's not every case, obviously, but it is in many cases. If 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 you're going to be given advice that's going to cost you money, then I guess the moral of the story is it shouldn't cost you money. So, okay, let's get into a little more education here. Um, not really the numbers, but just f- for full disclosure, what is the real difference in, in the terminology and, and how it's calculated between simple interest, which is generally what's used in a home equity line of credit. Now, we're not worrying about this as a product right now, but just for for definition, or compound interest. What's really the difference in how they're calculated? Yeah, so simple interest is how everyone thinks interest is calculated. So you take your annual rate, you divide that by 365, and you charge a little bit each day, right? So it's more fair, it's based on what the balance is at the day. Uh, compound interest is where you take the rate, and depending on how often it compounds, in mortgages it's semi-annually or monthly in some cases, uh, and then you add the rate there, and so the interest is compounded on the interest throughout the year. I guess in layman's terms, if you turn that the other way around, if you were, not that anyone's going to make 10% in the market these days, but for math purposes, if you had $100 and it's simple interest, so let's look at it from the bank perspective, and 10% means... $10. Yep. And then year two, it's still $10. And year three and so on, it's still $10. But in compound interest, it's $10 in year one, but it's 10% on 110 in year two, and so on and so on. And I was actually just with some people in um, from Australia, some clients of mine recently, and we were talking about interest rates, actually. And I know years ago, um, this is not a plug for them, this is just reality, Manulife Bank, Yep. Uh, through the Manulife One product. And this is, gosh, this has got to be at least 22, 23, 24 years ago, I'm thinking. Somewhere around there. Yep. Uh, back at the, tur- the turn of the century. That sounds so funny. Well, well Manulife copied what they were doing in Australia. In Australia, that's yeah. right. And the president at the time brought it over. Because I do know this in Australia. If you're a really um, safe um, risk, 
you get a simple interest mortgage, but if you're a higher risk person, you actually get a compound interest mortgage. Yeah. You- um, as opposed to here where all of a sudden compound interest came in and it's never gone away. Yeah, I know they got it right. Like if you're higher risk, they're, they're forcing you to pay that back through, through a regular mortgage instead of just hoping one day you will. Uh, so we kind of got it backwards here. Well, right? I think there's certain institutions that make more money that way, though. <laughs> but, but again, it's not one item is best or one is the only solution. I mean, a lot of times you can do a hybrid of simple interest and compound interest, I guess. 100%. That's what we do for, I'd say, 80, 90% of our clients is they would have some sort of that hybrid approach as they're you know, in their 30s and 40s and, and whatnot. And then we would kind of change gears as they get a little bit older and don't need that fixed mortgage portion. Yeah, so look for the best solution for the individual. Yeah. Not one size fits all. Yeah, it's, it's all based on where you are in life and what your goals happen to be and you know what we know about your future plans. So keeping really, I mean, simple interest is one of those options too, but tying this together, mortgage being your biggest asset, and I, I'm you know a proponent of how to make money is pay way less in taxes. So mortgage tax deductibility, and I, I hear this with people all the time, they think it's a US thing or people who run a business out of their house. But isn't there other ways to tax deduct your mortgage? Absolutely. You can tax deduct your mortgage if you take any piece of your equity to make some sort of an investment. So that could be real estate's the most famous one, but you could, uh, like we said, put it into your financial plan as well. So I, I know we have a spreadsheet that shows this. I've seen examples where writing off a portion of your mortgage. Now, the key, though, for people, the education part is, taking the tax savings that this provides and then having the the discipline to apply that tax savings though against the principal and actually make sure you pay down that mortgage not by i don't know a new whatever a new 60 inch you know smart tv or something like that atvs (laughs) atvs yeah it's things like that yeah so that's the key to make it work if you're going to save money on taxes use the tax savings to pay down your mortgage and that, that can make a significant difference, I guess. Like we're talking oh, years. Oh man, yeah. We, we just did one for a client. He's, they're in the 53.5% tax bracket. And it's- Oh, but BC doesn't have high taxes. Ask Horgan. <laughs> in case you're watching this in a few years from now, he was our premier at the time we recorded this. <laughs> yeah, we took their 25-year mortgage down to 12. Just through tax savings. Because he's in such a high tax bracket, right? So. Yeah. Don't spend more money, just spend it smarter and get the taxes back. Exactly. Which leads into what you talked about earlier. So let's just expand on that a little bit. So run through again a little more detail about this TFSA. We're going to show up a graph here on the screen. Um, How to use a TFSA. Just provide me a little more clarity. How to use a TFSA to pay down your mortgage. Yeah, so TFSA. So let's say that uh, your payment is you know, fixed at this level, but you wanted to pay it down faster. Let's say you wanted to put it a couple extra hundred dollars a month or a couple extra hundred dollars a pay. Well, instead of doing that, let's run the numbers on if you took that same extra payment and put that towards your TFSA and then compound that over the years because now compound interest is working in your favor, right? Right, Because you're compounding interest gains upon gains with your TFSA. 
right? We run Perfect. those two yeah, numbers. Yeah, you're saving that extra money and you're not paying tax on it, yeah, too. Yeah, and at some point, your TFSA is growing, but your debt's coming down. So at some point, the two meet. And that's usually, as we've seen with our spreadsheet, about two to three years sooner than just doing it normally. Yeah, and then I guess, like you said, then you have the TFSA, you have more freedom. The TFSA could be put towards retirement. At that point, you can say, well, I'm technically debt-free on my net worth statement. Yep. That We talked about that a few episodes ago. And then you can say, well, maybe I'll postpone being completely debt-free for a few years and use some of that money uh, for travel or special things for the family. And I guess that really depends on your plan and what the market's like at the time. Like if the market is having one of those real good growth periods, maybe you take some of that growth and do something for yourself. Exactly. And for some clients, we've found that that TFSA has grown to a point, well, projected, that it will actually make the mortgage payment of what's left over. Oh, well, yeah. And again, best way to get ahead, use somebody else's money. So this way you're kind of using your savings, but you're also using your tax savings through the TFSA to get you further ahead. And I guess for clarity too, for people, if you take money out of the tax saving, out of your TFSA, sorry, take money out of your TFSA, that money can be put back the following calendar year or any calendar year after that. Now, I had this with a client recently said, if I take money out of my TFSA, do I get the contribution back? Well, say your, your contributions to your TFSA, let's just say it was $50,000 just for easy math, but you cash in the TFSA at 65000 you actually get to put back the whole 65000 the following calendar year or later, not just the fifty plus any other future contribution, right. so you've gained a lot more flexibility that way. Yeah. So let's get into the second half of this podcast, a subject near and dear to my heart, fees about mortgages, because I hate fees. <laughs> I, I like, I, it's not that I hate fees, I just hate the lack of disclosure of fees, for starters. So we're going to talk about the fees, uh, about mortgages, and the do's and don'ts about those fees. So let's, let's start off with, um, you know, a line of credit. You know, having a line of credit for times when the the market's crappy, uh, you need money, um, using a line of credit for what you need, et cetera. Uh, what would be involved in fees on a line of credit, paying it off? You know, what are the kind of do's and don'ts to look for in a line of credit? Yeah, no, line of credit is, is fantastic for financial planning. It just gives you so much flexibility and access to your equity. Uh, the fees for setting it up is pretty much the same as a mortgage. So it's registered on title as a mortgage. So there's only one little tick box on your registration that differentiates it between a mortgage and a HELOC. So you're looking at legal fees and appraisal fees. There shouldn't be any other fees on that. Um, and the beauty is if you were to move and you have to get rid of this mortgage, there are no penalties to get out of it. And the only thing that you would have to pay would be maybe the title discharge fee from land titles. And what would that be about? Uh, it'd be about $75. Okay. So what if though, what if it's not a line of credit attached to a mortgage? So not, what did you say, registered against a mortgage? So I guess that's a not a secure line of credit. What right. would be the difference in that type of line of credit? Well, your rate would be through the roof on one of those. Like they're typically prime plus three, four, five sometimes I've seen. And it's all based on who you are, what your credit rating is, how much the banker likes you, that sort of thing. <laughs> so prime plus three, four, five versus prime plus what on a, on a registered one? Uh, on a typical one, it's prime plus a half. Oh, okay. Uh, That's significant. We've gotten clients prime 
plus zero, we've gotten one prime minus something. Um, so it varies depending on which institution you use and kind of your plan as well, right? Okay, so that's the difference in knowing. So the terminology for, for people to look for is either registered or secured line of credit or, or, or home equity line of credit versus just yeah, line home, of credit. Home equity line of credit is typically what we use. So you've heard the term HELOC thrown around. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. So when we were talking in our second episode this season about um, information to provide when doing your financial plan, and I talked about statements, there's a reason to bring in the statement to Vitri and let them look at your line of credit statement if you have one. What type do you have and how much of a surplus are you paying on this interest? Because if you're paying on a home equity prime plus one, which we've seen, yeah, you're getting ripped off. Yeah. We've seen a lot of clients who've always just gone into the bank. They've never dealt with any outside mortgage broker or gotten any outside advice and they're paying prime plus one and have been for years. And they thought, Oh, that's just normal. Everyone's doing that. So why would the bank, <laughs> more of my cynicism. Why would the bank provide them prime plus one? It couldn't be to make more money, could it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're going to give them the benefit. No, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's a commission grab, or, or the person at the bank just doesn't know better, and they're just doing what they're being told oh, from oh, someone up above. Oh no, no. The training is it's prime plus one, and you're a special client to get prime plus half. Seriously, it absolutely. Oh, I, wasn't, is. I wasn't even yep. serious when I was asking that. Yeah, I just, no, I was no. trying to give them. I honestly. I know rare people, was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I thought maybe they did. So they're actually coached into, like, we're giving you a special, it's like the old company Sears, where everything was always on sale. So, yep. you're, you know, you got to be really old to know what I'm talking about. But so they're doing that just to make people think they're getting something special. It's, and it's, you're here to tell us they're not. That's nor the it, norm. It's hard coded into their system at Prime Plus One. They actually have to, like, the person doing it actually has to request a discount. Holy jeez. <laughs> when the discount should just automatically be, or not even calling it a discount, just the prime plus a half rate should be provided. And a prime, prime, sorry, not plus, but prime is is an exceptional it is. type thing. So don't count on that, but you should count on them prime plus a half at worst. Yeah. It's very similar to how banks post, you know, our posted rate is this, but you're a special client, so you're going to get this. Like, but no one ever takes this up here. It's just like the, the special client is the one with 50 bucks or $500,000. doesn't matter. You're a special client today because <laughs> it's Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. I know banks. I love it. Um, so here's the thing. Um, some advice or something built into a financial plan about not paying off your mortgage in retirement um, because only your adult children will really benefit from it. So using your retirement to enjoy your retirement. So what is the change in your mortgage when you hit retirement? What kind of things should you look for? Well, like you said there, when you're retired, uh, so you've stopped working, you're no longer making any income, stop making principal payments because, like we said, that only goes to your children, right? You're using the money that you've got now that you've saved up and whatnot that should be going towards enjoying your golden years, if you can call it that. Um, gray years. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should enjoy retirement when, when you get to that stage. Right. Paying, paying off a principal serves no purpose. You know, chances are you might not be able to pay it off anyways. All I think of when you say that is the old adage, um, house rich, cash poor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most Canadians are working towards that very retirement where they're house rich and cash poor. I had someone recently, we were doing a financial plan for them and they were 
their new clients came in and I th- they were in their 60s. They were really look retired. They were retired or just about to retire. And they were looking at, were, you know, uh, they had a fairly new mortgage and it was a 25-year amortization. And I remember the first thing I said to them was, why? Like, what's the point? Like, why would you spend, like, you're never going to pay this off before you're dead. Yep. So why not look at your mortgage as simply a really well equity rent payment? You yep. own the property. The only growth at that point in your property, correct me if I'm wrong, should really be the equity it increases by. It's an investment, just like yep. buying a TFSA or an RSP or any other investment. You're just making a payment on it. Because think about it, in normal times, an average interest rate of 3 or 4%, and your property is growing at five or six, yep. but it's also growing essentially tax-free because it's your principal residence, the gains are not taxable. Yeah. That's not a bad investment. And it's a secure item because again, it just, it's gonna disperse to your kids. Or you may liquidate it when you're 80 years old and maybe need some care or something like that. You have another asset Besides your TFSA, your RSPs, your pension, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing wrong with having that as part of your equity. No, and I, that's that's what I love about what we do is we tell clients the good news. Our financial plan, you know, goal number one is to keep you in your home, right? It's the home as you long love. As possible. Yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah. how do we make sure that you can still sustain this rent payment? We had one client where they were gonna cash out all of their investments to take their mortgage to zero, then to have nothing left to eat. But once we moved them over to our portfolio managers, we found that the interest only off of that covered more than half that interest payment if they were to switch to that interest only and not be in a 25-year mortgage. Well, that, that makes kind of way more sense to look at doing it that way as opposed to just spending every dime you have you know, to pay a mortgage payment and not have anything to live on, which makes no sense. But I, But I get, you know what though? A lot of that is drilled into us from our parents and from their parents because yep. they didn't have all these other options 60, 70 years ago. Your house was your only well, your, your, item. Your house is also $50,000, $100,000. We, we they didn't have the giant million-dollar mortgages that we have now. Yeah, the mortgages have definitely gone up faster than inflation over the past years with property. I mean, there's only so much land, so prices, prices go up. But again, that, that brings us back to why that asset, the house, is not a product, it's part of an overall strategy. Yeah, you have to look at your net worth and how do you maintain that net worth in retirement or even increase it a little bit, depending on how your financial planning goes, right? Okay, so let's expand on the mortgage knowledge here and change gears a little bit. Uh, Talking about something you mentioned earlier that just kinda tweaked my interest. Talking about a variable, you said earlier about variable and one or two year short rate, short one or two year fixed rate mortgages, so short term is what I'm trying to say, rented lips today, um, for your final home. So why, why variable, why short term? Well, you have to cynically do, do the opposite of what the banks are pushing you to do. Well, I find that so shocking because <laughs> they wouldn't be in it for money. <laughs> a variable rate, just historically, you've, you win seven out of 10 years, meaning if you had gone variable and just wrote it out, you would have paid less interest in seven out of those 10 years. And this even works when interest rates are going, as they did in 2022, going through the 
roof for a period of time, this still works out to be beneficial, though there may be some short-term pain. Yeah, in general, for sure, because we, we're not going to get rate, uh, rates rising forever. And, right. and you want to be able to write it down. It's funny because banks talk about with their, as I said earlier, their fear factor about, you know, 18% rates in the early 80s. But when you look back, horrible rates. I remember my parents had a mortgage then and I was, in, I was studying, you know, this stuff in school then. But it was actually still a really short period of time. Yeah. No, that period in the 80s wasn't long, right? Yeah. So as probably 2022 to 2023, same idea. So what what is um, really the commission difference in a variable versus, say, the standard bank chosen promoted five-year? Well, they're more or less the same, the variable and the fixed. So they often will try to advise you one versus the other, where, whereas they're ignoring the question that, oh, it's a five-year. Right. Right. Um, so sometimes, so the rate's the same, but variable gives you a lower, lower starting point, and and yeah. then you're you're taking the risk that rates will go up. But and if if there's enough of a discount, you, you go variable. Also, and I may correct me, I could be wrong with this. I'm just going by all the things you've told me over the years. But can't with variable you change to another type of mortgage, like a one or a two year? Yeah, is it without a fee or a reduced yeah, no, fee? Yeah, no, there, no. There's there's no fee as long as you lock in um, with a minimum term of whatever's remaining. So if you have one and a half years remaining, you have to lock into a two year. Okay, so if you were in a variable during high interest rate times or, or interest rate times that are really getting out of whack and just out of reach for your own, maybe it's not the best financial decision, but maybe emotionally or it helps you sleep at night. You could still have the security of knowing you can lock in. Well, with a variable, whereas if you're with a, a five-year to begin with, you can't really change because you're going to pay fees. Yeah, so we've, get, we've actually advised clients a lot of times in the, when the rates have been going up to go back to their bank and go, well, can I lock in for one in two years? Like, what will you give me for that? Because they've, you know, they've been listening to the news and can't sleep at night. And despite what we advise, sleeping at night is kind of important. So I don't do that very often, but hey. So yeah, so if it helps you to lock in for one or two years maximum, don't lock in any longer, then that's the right move for you. It's amazing how fast one or two years goes in the financial planning world. It's like to clients, oh, wait a minute, two years has passed already. I know. So we talked a bit ago about um, house rich, cash poor. Let's expand on that. So the idea is to, to not be house rich and cash poor, not to pay down your mortgage. Yeah, so it sounds like the opposite, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. So I want to get this right for people. So if you so so by doing this though in investing, what are you helping to prevent later on in life? Well, exactly. We're helping to prevent that that cash poor uh, situation and house rich because there are products out there that you know will say they fix that, and and those are things like reverse mortgages and whatnot, right? So if you've come to everything financial way too late, <laughs> um, what, what's the solution before a reverse mortgage? And, and, and again, reverse mortgage may be a solution, but when, yeah. what would you try and do first? And then when would the reverse mortgage come into play? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, a lot of clients come to us. They've, we, our phone is ringing off the hook about reverse mortgages because a lot of Canadians are in a situation where they don't have any cash and they've got all this equity. But in a lot of those cases, if you did a home equity line of credit like we've talked about, 
start there and you don't actually have to, um, uh, you know, pay it off or, or anything like that, but start there, go principal, uh, you know, ha- sorry, go interest only mm-hmm. for as long as you can afford with whatever your retirement income is. And as that balance grows over time, because a, a line of credit can grow, you can capitalize that interest. There are ways to do that. You do that for as long as you can. And then at, at that point, once you've kind of gone through all that, those options and it's gotten getting to a point where it's kind of painful, then you switch to a reverse mortgage. That should be kind of the last result or lender of last resort, I guess. Well, if it's the last resort, then that's probably our last item. So I guess the key takeaway from this is, uh, Vitri, that the, the mortgage isn't a product. It's, it's something looked at very early in the financial planning stages of the Omni Formula. I know we look at yeah. it very early, but for people who are just trying to use this, the podcast is information, they're going to a certain firm, don't let someone sell them a mortgage, for lack of a better word, like it's the only solution, it's just part of the overall solution. Absolutely, and just to clarify, we don't hate reverse mortgages. There's, they're a great product, we just have happen to be very careful yeah. on who we rep, uh, recommend get into those. Yeah, right. And I'm sure they have different fees. Different companies provide them for different costs. So we want to go with the one that's the right one for the client for the right situation. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, if people are now completely confused or you've now piqued their interest and they want to know more information, how do the viewers and the listeners find you? Well, I am at Everything Financial. We go on the website and there I am. Or give their, our office a call, any of the offices. It all kind of goes to the same place, and they'll put you in touch with me. Perfect. Well, thanks for your time, Vitri. People, that's a wrap for episode number three of the Your Money podcast. We're going to be back with David Pratt in the co-host chair, and I'll just be blabbing on about statements and fees and things that I usually blab on about in episode four. So catch us online at everythingfinancial.com or go to YouTube, go to the Everything Financial Group YouTube channel to catch all these episodes and other items we post. And we'll see you soon in episode four.